All right, you ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, I got an intro. Okay, sweet. Spoiler alert! Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. Okay, let's see if your podcasting powers were in your beard. For now that you are without one, oh. anything could happen. <laughs> this sounds like perfect on it now. Oh my god, I didn't realize <laughs> the beard was throwing off the sound so much. Maybe the, muffling everything. Maybe the beard was your pop filter. Maybe. You'll actually be really plosive now. Sure. Yeah. It could be. Could be. Uh, what is what is pop filter? Oh, the like, filter yeah, yeah oh i see what you're saying implosive is like like a plosive explosive is any kind of sound that has one of those really sharp crisp consonants like a p really? or uh, i did not know that or a k. sometimes people really pronounce their k's. because yeah, yeah but p is the most the most common one right yeah you're unfolding a piece of paper i've like, got notes today like a stranger i am set to go i'm very impressed thank you that's really good okay first things first how was your week uh, it was pretty good. Shaved the beard. That was a big thing. Ball that face. was on, that was like two, two years in the making, I think. Really? It had been that long. I think so. I don't know. I must've gotten rid of it at some point within the last year and a half, but I think at least a year. The weird thing is, and don't take this the wrong way. Cause mm-hmm. you look very good with your beard. Thank you. I don't think of you as a bearded person. Okay. Like when I saw you without one, it was very jarring. Right. But if I were to be, if somebody was like, if my if my shrink was like, draw me a picture of Matt Slaney. I wouldn't necessarily have the beard. I don't know that I would give you a beard. I might give you like five o'clock shadow like you have sure, now. Sure, yeah. Uh, That's what my Bitmoji had until I realized in January, I've had a beard for so long. Why does yeah, my Bitmoji you not have You had like a, a beard? lumberjack beard. And yet there are other people who have iconic beards. Like they're known for their beards. Right. And you've never really been identifiable by your facial hair. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with being a little bit more of a chameleon because my dad is someone who has had a beard for over almost like 40 years. He's now. a beardy man for sure. Yeah, like and has never shaved it. I've never seen my dad without a beard. Right. So I, every time I grow a beard, I kind of feel a little bit of anxiety about the commitment that I'm supposed to have toward the beard. Mm-hmm. You know. So now, are you going to go immediately back to growing your beard in again? No. Because you don't have a habit of shaving every day, as no. as do n- nobody from our generation. <laughs> no, I won't be shaving every day. I'm going to let it go like a week, and then it'll probably turn into a beard, and then I might just like keep the beard trimmed. Okay. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Right. Like, I think of my dad, who I've never seen with a beard. Like, mm-hmm. I one time saw a picture of him with a beard. Right. It was probably like the day and a half in his life where he had a beard. Mm-hmm. But in my entire life, he has shaven... Probably every day. Yeah. Maybe there's the odd day where he didn't shave once, but then he's got to shave that night. Right. So like our generation is probably the first to be like, I'm not going to do that every day. We don't day. need to shave all the time. That's yeah. why all these razor companies are advertising all the time. Is that right? Well, I'm assuming. How many regularly clean shaven people are you seeing? Razors there's are not- a bit of a, they're a bit of a racket. Yeah. Like there's, they're priced differently between men and women. Yeah, both men and women need razors for different reasons. And there's like pink ones, and then there's razors that look like sports cars. I agree with that. It's ludicrous. Yep. And there's ones that have six blades and so on. Yeah. And at what point are those other blades not really doing as much? I don't know. You know what I was thinking? Uh, why? One of the reasons I shaved mm-hmm. was because I started. It was actually like I think a little bit of a quest for youth. Oh, interesting. Or I'm realizing in retrospect, like I was kind of happy once it was all off because it made me look older, which sure, that's great. Especially with someone like my face, it's kind of people could misconstrue me for being under 19 possibly. You have a youthful face. But 
when I grew the beard, I had these like long white hairs that would come out of it. Mm. And people were starting to comment on it pretty regularly. Yeah, and I, saw, I, start- I saw a rogue hair on your face the other day and I commented on it. Yeah, yeah. and I was starting to feel like, oh man, like my youthful <laughs> days are behind me, but then I shaved and nope. No, and so it really was. It was like uh, you were starting to feel old because you know you can keep a beard trim. It was, it was a combination of things because honestly the main reason was I, I got too short on, on my mustache and then just thought, oh, I'll shave. But oh. I probably could have made it work, but I just thought... Whatever, let's just go. So it was somewhere between an existential crisis and a flick of the wrist. That's exactly right. I understand. As are most major decisions. That's right. (laughs) Figuratively. You know what's confusing? Uh, Roseanne is just crushing commercially. Yeah. Like just destroying. Like as soon as we put out the podcast last week, the president called Roseanne Barr and was like, congratulations. Oh my God. Easter weekend. It was funny because we were sitting at my parents' place and my aunt and uncle were there and they were like, did you watch Roseanne? And I just completely stayed out of the conversation. Really? Because it was re-airing on on like that Sunday night. Yeah. After golf or something. And they were like, yeah, it was pretty funny. And then they like turned it up so everyone could hear it. I and can't I believe. said, I gotta go. I can't believe how many people on Reddit are like jacked about Roseanne doing well. I know. It just doesn't line up with, with ideals to no. me. I just find it very strange. And like, I guess it's cool if something you used to love is doing well now. But what if it's just not good? Yeah, I, I don't think it is. But, but people definitely think that show is good. Okay, but let's remove politics for a second. What what do you think about Chelsea Peretti? Like, she's tweeting that she's straight up not watching it because she doesn't believe, I think, that comedy writers with an anti-Trump stance are actually working with this kind of That's how I feel. Me too. That's that's what I find really confusing about it. It's like everybody putting aside their ideals. Like, Sarah Silverman and Kumail Nanjiani got into a bit of a Twitter thing the other day. With each other? Yeah. And it was very respectful and Mm -hmm. loving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they said, I love you at the end of their exchange. But Sarah was like really singing the praises of Roseanne. And Sarah's so liberal. That's surprising. Although Sarah is a bit of a Hillary hater too. So that's maybe part of it. Sure. Okay. But Kumail. But because she's such a Bernie lover. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. She's not a Trump fan. No. Uh, but then Kumail said, I'm sorry. I have to disagree. I don't think I can in good conscience support something by someone who would call David Hogg uh, a Nazi. Right. And like, if you put it like that. Yeah. Me neither. Right. Sure. <laughs> so it's crazy to me. And so like. Uh, Wait, who's David Hogg again? He's like the main. Uh, he and Emma Gonzalez are the main Parkland oh, yes. teenagers. Yes. I'm sorry. Okay, you're totally right. Yeah, uh, and so one of the producers of Roseanne is now asking people to differentiate between Roseanne the character and Roseanne Barr the actor, which is insane because the character's name is Roseanne and it's written and performed by Roseanne, <laughs> and they share all the same political ideas. Yes. There's no difference. Yeah. He just doesn't want his show to be, you know, really edgy. Right. He just wants it to be tastefully edgy. Mm-hmm. I saw an article in Vulture that was like, let's not pretend that Roseanne isn't about politics because it is. Of course I was like, is. I don't think anyone's arguing that. Like, it no. is. That's, that's why it's a big deal. Yeah. That's absolutely why it's right. a big deal. Maybe that's what this whole season is. It's just going to be the political season of Roseanne. But it's already been renewed. It's already, see, that sucks. Why can't they just do it for one season and be like, okay, we did our political thing. It'll live on forever. It had a bad last season. Well, they're not, they're they're not going to take integrity into account. This is a show that (laughs) killed their second main character and then brought him back to life because they had the chance to make money. With a sleep apnea mask. Yeah. Very confusing. Yeah. 
Very, very strange. Definitely. A couple of things going on in the world of Stranger Things. The Duffer I, Brothers are being sued. It's insane. Yes. <clears throat> I started to believe as I read about this whole Montauk thing that maybe they did lift a little bit of the mm. ideas about it because... So originally this guy, what's his name? His name is Charlie Kessler. Charlie Kessler wrote a screenplay called... Montauk. Montauk. It's a short film. Short film. And Stranger Things was originally pitched as Montauk. Oh, weird. The name they used was Montauk. So instead of Indiana, Hawkins, Indiana, it was Montauk. It was supposed to be set in Montauk. Ooh, that's a little dicey. But there was, before that, in like 1990, there was kind of like a... I don't know if it was a documentary, but it was a de- a definitely another movie mm-hmm. about Montauk, and it had to do with like a government cover-up in Montauk, and it was actually based on a true story, possibly right. a docudrama thing. And this guy's short film is about children with supernatural powers. Yes. Although neither the Duffer Brothers nor Charlie Kessler invented children with supernatural powers. That's right, or government cover-ups <laughs> around them. So basically, the the idea is, look, there's no merit to this lawsuit. The Duffer Brothers and Netflix don't have anything to worry about. I just find it very strange when, like, the biggest songs in the world and the biggest TV shows and movie ideas in the world are accused of being ripoffs mm-hmm. much after they've come out. Like, is this guy not aware of Stranger Things for the last two years? Yeah. Well, or was he saying stuff all along and only once it got huge was like, oh, my God, I actually should try to step in here. These guys are making millions off, like, my yeah. idea. And the other thing is, like, even if he's, say he's 100% correct, say he, like, completely got lifted by, by the Duffer Brothers, do they have enough of a machine behind them that it'll never be an issue? Like, Ed Sheeran has plagiarized songs left, right, and center. Or can they just give him a credit now and pay him scale of what it was like if he was a creator on that show yeah. for the last two years? Yeah, give him some money and he's not allowed to say anything anymore. Totally. I would have already by now if I were them. But... I guess there's some merit in them saying, no, you have nothing to do with this. And if they can win, they're not going to pay the money, even if they have the money to pay. Totally. But there's a bit of a conscious thing there too, right? Like if you knew straight up, oh yeah, you know what? Fuck, we were involved. We Looking back, that kind of was the inspiration for us doing this all along. This is the tricky thing with intellectual property. Mm. And it's why so many agents and producers in Mm. every uh, entertainment field and every medium will not look at your thing without a copyright already being on your thing because they don't want to be accused down the road of having something that loosely resembles your thing and then being uh, accused of, of plagiarism. Bruno Mars paid tens and tens of millions of dollars to a guy, like agreed to it, because he lifted the line, don't believe me, just watch. Oh, man. And that was like kind of like an underground rap hit that was gold all on my chain, gold yep. all on my watch. Don't believe me, just watch. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) It was not a good song, but it kind of gained some, like, underground rap popularity. Yeah. And could the line, don't believe me, just watch, be used otherwise? I'm sure it could have. There was one band who tried to sue Taylor Swift for using Haters Gonna Hate. Right. Which, I mean, that got thrown out. The judge was like, this is a waste of my time and my degree. Right, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Which it is. But it's it's very tricky. It's It's a very difficult thing, and... Yeah, I'd be nervous about it. Yeah. To the point that, it, you know, if I'm the Duffer Brothers, I might just say, let's just put this thing together. I feel like if I was in Hollywood and somebody was like, hey, I've got this idea for a movie I think I'm going to write. Can I bounce it off you? I might just be like, no. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to make a movie in 15 years that also has a supernatural kid and gets sued by you. I know. 
I, I agree. The same thing. I'd be worried that my kid was a supernat would be born a supernatural kid. Some pr- yeah. played plagiaristic birth. Right, exactly. You Your kid know. ripped off my kid, but <laughs> exactly. also having powers with her mind. <laughs> exactly. They have the money to pay because they just gave Millie Bobby Brown a $3 million raise. Good for her. Yeah. She's earning it. She's getting uh, the biggest raise. She's not the, the, she's not the highest paid. Uh, mm. uh, Winona Ryder and David Harbour. David Harbour, is that his name? Yep. They're still two, the, the two highest paid actors in the show, uh, but she's the highest paid kid actor by a landslide. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess so. I think Mike is pretty good on it too. I think Mike's pretty good. I just, Dustin's pretty good too. Oh, there Dustin's was, huge. There was a Dustin joke on Brooklyn Nine Nine last week about no way. one of the the cast members meeting. It was like a throwaway line, but it was super funny. And Andy Samberg said, "Oh, it was Craig Robinson meeting Andy Samberg uh, in a in a heist." Okay. The Pontiac Bandit was back okay. for his like yearly episode, <laughs> and. Uh, he was like, man, I've been doing crazy stuff. I, I just met Dustin from Stranger Things the other day. He's like, oh, my God, was he cool? Do they all hang out with the Stranger? Do all the Stranger Things guys hang out together? And he's like, they totally do. That's good. Anyway, yeah, it was a funny drop. He is big, but I think the show could survive without any kid other than 11. Really? I think they could. I think that were there to be some case, the show could go on if any actor were to leave that show other than 11. I kind of think Mike is like a Timothy Chalamet Jr., uh, I don't. I don't no. like him. I don't like him. You don't like him? No, he's a little pipsqueak. Yeah. He's no Chalamet, that's for sure. No Chalamet. No. Okay. He doesn't Sha- have the Shah. Yeah. You know what? Chalamet is a little bit more um, down to earth, I think. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of... I know he's just like 14, so it's hard to blame him, but there's there's a little bit of an attitude in that uh, Finn Wolfhart. I think we both agree that we would bully Finn Wolfhart if we got the chance. Absolutely. Moving along... <laughs> I think we're doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think we're cyberbullying Finn Wolfhard. We're doing it because we're not doing it to his face. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, Cynthia Nixon running for governor. We know about that, right? Sure, yeah. Do you think that she's such a Miranda should be, <laughs> <laughs> should be her tagline? We should probably identify what it means to be a Miranda. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean to be a Miranda? I think a little more type A and kind of quiet. I guess. Is that a good thing to Are be those as a leader, governor? Leader qualities? Leadership qualities? No, definitely not. No. She's just kind of like left wing. So so one of the other uh, Sex in the City women, I don't remember which one, who's like the pariah now, who's like mothed off about Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, right. And yeah. so Sarah Jessica Parker has thrown her support behind Cynthia Nixon. And okay. so what's her name? Won't do it. And her brother died recently, and Sarah Jessica Parker said something about how sad it was, and she said, don't you talk about my family. Oh, my God, really? It was real dirty. All she said was a nice thing about how your brother died. Yeah. <laughs> so it was the girl who played Samantha. Uh, Cattrall? Kim yeah. Cattrall. Is it Kim Cattrall? Yeah. Yeah. God, I did not know about this whole underground feud. There's quite a few. It's yeah. not underground. It's this well above ground. above ground it's feud. It's in the atmosphere, for sure. Ooh. Yeah. God, I guess they're not going to get back together for Sex in the City 8. Well, they are talking about doing a Sex in the City 3, the movie. I think they canceled that. No, I heard Sarah Jessica Parker talking about it on some talk show recently. It's it's revived? I think it's just one of those things they entertain whenever their uh, obligatory question comes their way on some kind of press. So when are you guys getting back together? Oh, I don't know. Right. You know? Me and the girls. (laughs) Man, I never watched Sex in the City. Yeah. Maybe we should do it on the podcast sometime. I've never you know, watched it. I think we should. 
as I think the first episode would be a little groundbreaking. Like they they cover some racy topics. It um, mattered at the time. I heard the guitarist from Vampire Weekend say that Sex in the City kind of lulled him out of a depression in first year university. <laughs> All right. Like he just kind of became a regular fan of Sex in the City. And he's like, it got me out of a dark place. It was crazy. That's really nice. Yeah, it kind of is nice. <laughs> no, I think it is for everybody in this weird way that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, people find find ways to fit in. As much as I think they could follow along with Entourage and identify with a character in that. I wonder if it holds up. I, I don't know. I don't know either. I remember there being blowjob jokes, and I thought that was crazy. That's a big deal. TV show. Yeah. They're going to do uh, a TV series of The Stand by Stephen King. Yep. Has there been a Stand movie? Mm, I don't know. I'm not huge on Stephen King, so I couldn't tell you. But I feel like that's one of his main books, right? Yeah. And it's one of his 2,000-page books. In the last two years, I've heard about The Stand more than... I don't know anything Most about it. I think I used to get it mixed up with a certain John Grisham book, but I'm not sure which one. Uh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. They must have turned some. Maybe I'm confusing it with The Firm. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking, is it law-related? Is that yeah. what The Stand is about? Well, if it's John Grisham, it probably is law-related. Right. The Firm is. I think I'm confusing it with The Firm. The Firm I'm glad we stand. talked about this. The Firm Stand. Yeah. That's an adapt an adaptation we could make. It's a crossover. We're taking a firm stand on... <laughs> like. On them making a TV show out of The Stand, a 10-hour uh, miniseries. 10-hour miniseries. They are just adapting everything Stephen King. Yeah. Everything. Probably for good reason. Yeah, no, Stephen King's good. And he's still able to be like, yeah, I'm cool with that. He seems to be... Might be able to get involved. He seems to be pretty woke, that Stephen King. That's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, he lives in, like, Maine. It's uh -huh. pretty much... Maine is really kind of the wokest of states, isn't I agree, it? Yeah. It's down to earth enough, yet it's so northeast that it has to be really liberal. Fairly progressive. Progressive. But, but he can live in like a little not, bubble. Not like up its own ass, you know? He can live in a little bubble. Like yeah, not not true. only does he live in Maine where there's not paparazzi, but he lives probably in a mansion on a hill. Right. But is is that the bubble or would the bubble be if he lived in LA and like the Hollywood Hills. I don't know. Is he popping the bubble by living in Maine? He's spending some time in either the Hollywood Hills or Vancouver or wherever they're shooting all of these adaptations of his many books, which seems to be happening a couple of times a year. True. Which is interesting because he so famously hated the adaptation of The Shining. Did he? He famously hated it, yeah. It's very different from the book. Really? Yeah. And Kubrick did The Shining. Yeah, and that's, of course, probably the most famous Stephen King adaptation. Oh, I didn't even... I don't even know if I knew for sure that Stephen King did The Shining. He wrote The Shining. Whoa. He sure did. Crazy. Yeah. You're you're dropping knowledge on me tonight. No, that's not no, that's not like <laughs> that's That's pretty well known. That's not an Easter egg. That's not an underground fact as I've stated a couple times tonight. It's I, not like uh, IMDb trivia where it's like this was actually written by now well-known writer Stephen King. Right. Not 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 the case. It's kind of one of those movies, kind of like uh, 28 Days Later, that I want to sit down and watch. I've yeah. been scared of it forever. Oh, I think it's really scary. Yeah. I think it's, and I think the book is like profoundly scary. Wow. I'm going to give it a watch and see what, within the next week, I'm yeah. going to try to watch The Shining. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm really excited. Challenge to myself. Yeah. Got to watch The Shining. I'm not going to. No. Nope. I kind of want to see uh, John Krasinski's new movie. Because it's supposed to be so great. I have that written down here. In like A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place. Him and Emily Blunt. And it looks very scary. And like, I guess there, there, there's literally very little talking. 
throughout. Yeah, because the premise is you're not allowed to make any noise or the monster will come kill you. Right. And so he uh, had a hand in writing this. I think somebody else had the idea and he like did the treatment and then he directed it and he cast him and his wife as the, the main characters. And so he says it's a movie about family, but it's like a monster horror movie. And it's not scary in like the way Get Out is kind of eerie. Right. Like I love This is like a Get Out. horror horror movie. Like this The a, Grudge. This is like a terrifying film. So I'm sure I can't actually stand it. Yeah. But it's got 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. I know. I'm trying to get... Although I saw that there was a little Rotten Tomatoes icon on the trailer. Hmm. And I thought... Was that like just giving them a nod for being able to use the rating or? Yeah, maybe. They, yeah. Okay. I think that if your movie has a hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes, you boast that. Right. Yeah, I guess so. And then give them credit. I just wondered like, is there any partnerships happening with Rotten Tomatoes? I hope not. Oh, you think that there's collusion. That's what I'm trying to figure out. That would be quite a coup, wouldn't it? It'd be something. Yeah. What, what husband wife acting teams would you like to see in a movie? Oh, well, I need to think of some good husband-wife acting teams in which they're both actually excellent. I mean, fewer and fewer all the time now that Channing Tatum and something something else didn't stay together. What is together. her name? She's like a supermodel? Is she actually an actor? I think she's from Step Up. I think they, oh, that's I think they stepped at. up together and now they're stepping stepped down. Stepped up to the altar. <laughs> yeah. Now they're stepping down. Now they're stepping out. Uh, <laughs> they fell out of love. Yeah, no, I think there's always, like, one person who's, like, a little less famous than the other one, and so they wouldn't be in the same kind of project. Right. I'm, I'm coming up short on, on celebrity couples right now. You know who I realized only because I watched Bull Durham the other day? Why did you, you know watch Bull Durham? Bull Durham. It was on the MLB network, sure. and I just started recording it. Because I came in at such a great point that, like, forced me to keep watching it. Yep. It was, like, Kevin Costner sitting down having a beer with the manager of this baseball team. And they look over and you see like a very tall, like Tim Robbins dancing with a bunch of people. Okay. And he says, who's he dancing with? And the manager says, I think all of them. And <laughs> then he like brings him outside and, and like challenges Kevin Costner to a fight. Okay. Kevin Costner knocks him out and he's like, I'm your catcher. So you learn that one of them is, is the like hotshot young pitcher. That is Tim Robbins. Right. And crash he's nuke and crash is the catcher and they're both vying for susan sarandon who is probably five years older than the oldest one right and is like the baseball groupie in town interesting yeah okay but and she picks a different player every season to date have susan sarandon and tim robbins been an item in real life though they currently are. That's oh. what brings me to the... Yeah, thank, thanks for getting me back on track. Okay. They are a celebrity couple. Yeah. Are they married now? I, I don't think they ever got married. I think they famously didn't get married, Ooh, but they're cool. still together. Yeah. She's like like late 60s and he's early 60s. I think she's like eight or nine years older than him. Right. But yeah, that is where they met. That's very nice. She ends up with Kevin Costner, but IRL ends up with... That's kind of like boy, a Tim. it's kind of like a Kurt Russell Goldie Hawn situation. That's that was the other one I was gonna say. Those are like old ones, and super to be fair, old ones. They're tested by time, so that's actually cool. Yeah, all the uh, young people just keep falling apart, getting divorced. Uh, Jennifer Aniston, Justin Theroux, they could have made a funny movie together. Did they break up officially? Yeah, they're broken up for sure. Really? That's done. It's on the cover of like. It always says that they're about to have a divorce, but I thought they were still together. I mean, I don't know if they're t- divorced. I haven't seen the paperwork, Matt. Okay. But but yeah, they're. They're done. Huh. Okay. I never knew to believe that. I'm going to Google actor couples just so we can go down a few. 
Please do. Because people love it when we Google stuff on the show, I think. <laughs> a, a couple that's uh, parting is Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah. So, I, how long have they hated each other? Is that think, a thing? I think just since, like, Dwayne The Rock Johnson really thought that Vin Diesel's work ethic was awful. Oh. He called him a candy ass. He thought that, like, he wasn't nice to other people on the set. I feel like maybe Vin Diesel was just kind of mad The Rock was stepping on his thunder. He stepped into this franchise that he'd worked super hard to build into the biggest film franchise in the world, and suddenly the biggest movie actor in the world got brought on, and he was small potatoes. Yeah, but Vin Diesel famously didn't do, um, didn't even do sequels for a while. It wasn't until, like, the fourth one that he came back into it, I think. Oh, that's kind of weird. It was weird. Yeah. He eventually, like, I think his his career was struggling enough. Anyway, Dwayne The Rock Johnson said, you know, we're happy that we've cleared it all up and there's no ill will. Actually, you know what? Scratch that last part. I'm just happy we've cleared it all up. Oh, so there is there ill will. There is ill will. <laughs> that just sounds like a weird backward dig. I know. That's kind of too bad. You finding good celebrity couples there? Uh, Tom Hanks and, uh, and uh, what's her name? <laughs> Oh, uh, Rita. Rita Wilson. Rita Wilson. Yeah, but she doesn't act anymore. Nah. Sarah Jessica Parker and uh, Matthew, Broderick. Matthew Broderick. I don't get that one. That one's very odd. I think there's rumors that Matthew Broderick isn't actually interested in women. I, I've definitely heard those rumors before, too. Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith. Oh, let's not go there. Let's not go there. Denzel Washington and Pauletta Washington. Really? <laughs> She's not a celebrity. She's my favorite actress. She's a celebrity for being Denzel Washington's wife. Maggie Gyllenhaal and Peter Sarsgaard. More vowels wow. in their couple name than any other that would celebrity be, couple. That would be one that would work. They have vows and vowels. What about Jay-Z and I feel like Beyonce. you're not really picking up on these excellent... Sorry, more vowels. <laughs> vowel jokes I, I'm I making here. <laughs> Jay-Z and Beyonce... Um, Seth Rogen and his wife again. She's not famous. No. Um, all right. Well, that's that's about it. Famous people marry famous people. I think we knew that much. Did you hear about the John Mulaney uh, prankster kid? He didn't prank John Mulaney. Yes. <laughs> but it, he, what a hero! What a hero! Sent an e- an email was sent from the school about what's new pussycat playing for forty five minutes in yeah. a row. Uh, over the loudspeakers. How so, did they not stop that in time? So he broke in and he like jacked the loudspeakers? I guess. That's very cool. But John Mulaney gave him props. Well, how could you not? How could you not? Just last week we were talking about um, the idea of how famous is John Mulaney and like, is it just uh, comedy fans who know and adore him or is he now like a widespread A-list celebrity? And I don't know if he's quite there yet, but he is hosting Saturday Night Live next week and that is a step. That's big. That is big. That's really big. Yeah. I'm, who do you think was the smallest person to ever host? Like the least famous, I if mean, you looked back. See, like I, I would say that if Tiffany Haddish can host SNL, John Mulaney can host SNL. Because like she's definitely on the rise. She's going to be, she may be an A-list celebrity already. But if not already, she's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a safe bet having somebody come in who's funny. But yeah, no, sometimes they have people host SNL who are just on their climb. Right. Yeah, you're right. They're just kind of early on their climb. Like, I remember they had January Jones when she was just kind of like in the first season of Mad Men. Right. Yeah. And see, now that's kind of weird because you don't even really think of her as being like in the discussion. No. But still, yeah, if she was in a movie, she could host tomorrow and it wouldn't be weird. No, absolutely. You know? Yeah. She was. She's like A-list adjacent. I mean, they had Lin-Manuel Miranda host SNL. Like, that is niche. Uh... Yeah, but he's like an international superstar now. He, he is behind the scenes, but I think he is—I think he is a New York, LA celebrity. Yeah, and there are a lot of Middle Americans who are like, 
who the F is this guy? Right. Who is this guy? Yeah. And they might have heard of Hamilton, maybe. Mm-hmm. They might have heard of Moana, but like right. they don't they don't care so much about the scribes. Right. And that's not unreasonable. He wasn't involved in Coco, was he? No, I don't believe so. Did you see Coco? Who wrote the music for Coco? Uh, somebody. No, I didn't see it. Somebody interesting wrote the music for Coco. Like Migos? I don't think it was Migos. <laughs> I don't think, but that would have been funny. That would be the next the next step. That would have been pretty interesting. They're going to do a Catch-22 show at Hulu. Have you read Catch-22? Is it a show? It's a show okay. run by George Clooney. Yes, with George Clooney in it. And Hugh Laurie is going to star. Is he going to be American or British? I think American, I think. Isn't, isn't... I have no idea what Catch-22 is about. Who did Catch-22? Joseph Heller wrote the book. Okay. I, don't, I have a copy of it here, but I've never read it. And it's, it's supposed to be quite funny and um, absurd. Right. Why do you have it? I bought it at a used bookstore. I'm addicted to used bookstores. Did you know that? No. I've become addicted to used bookstores. Um, and I'm, I've been addicted to buying books for as long as you've known me. Right. Um, but used bookstores, especially now, I decided a little while back, this is just tangential of that. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Redwall series? Yeah, I do. I read some of the Redwall books with when the I was a mice kid. Yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They were like adventure stories and they were like really beautifully written. Like they're technically kids books, but they're like very well written and they're, they're fun adventure stories. And I liked them when I was a kid and then I gave them all away. Okay. And I had been regretting doing that because I liked the look of them on my shelf. Yeah. So I've been rebuilding that collection. Oh, okay. Have you like found many of them? Every used bookstore. Yeah, I have like 11 of them back. Oh, God. How many are there? 18, I think. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you're pretty close. Yeah. 18. And so Becky and I are going to PEI this weekend, and I hope to check out some used bookstores that I haven't been to yet. Yeah? Yeah. Well, and so I like also bought like just a bunch of classics. Like if you can get a book for a dollar, I'll buy it. Picking up an Animorphs or something? No. I mean, I mean like <laughs> Catch-22 by Joseph Heller. <laughs> sure. Or an Animorphs. Yeah. An Animorphs. <laughs> How many Animorphs do you Did you have books were? that you read when you were in junior high that were like, they were your Harry Potter maybe or... Sure, yeah, I read Harry Potter up until uh, the F- Goblet of Fire. Okay. And then I kind of felt a little old for it. That's um, so weird because so many people never feel old for Harry Potter. I know. I shouldn't have. I shouldn't have been ashamed, but I just kind of thought, ah, this is kind of weird. Oh, you just didn't like the idea of being seen with a Harry Potter book? I wasn't even being seen because I could read it in private, but I thought you know, maybe I, I should like graduate. And then, then I didn't read books really for like a few years like, you're right that was how cool you I were thought so I adult was. that you, you graduated beyond books altogether but, yeah exactly <laughs> and then i circled my way back now i read like a book a month well that's but, good yeah yeah i've been doing that for like a couple years now i think i'm a slow reader i've always been a slow reader yeah. but i've been reading the count of monte cristo right and you're liking that it's yeah it's very good i heard i heard good things <laughs> it's very good i'm reading an abridged version okay uh which is like 400 pages because the the, like the real one, the real translation by Robin Buss is just like, it's almost 2,000 pages. It's right. Way too much. They Do they literally just take out like, he walked over it as if he were walking over a crunchy leaf, but the crunchy leaf didn't quite make that sound. I, Not the same way yeah, that this sound I think they would take be. out the crunchy leaf's backstory. Gotcha. That's what I gather. Like in the first 30 pages, he's already been arrested and gone to prison and found a way to break out of prison. Ooh. Like it's a, it's very fast paced because of this abridgment. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can remember going to see the Jim Caviezel Count of Monte Cristo movie with Jim Caviezel and Richard Harris okay. when I was like nine. Okay. I went with my friend Brendan Hughes. Uh, and so I have like very subtle memories of what happens in the Count of Monte Cristo. 
Okay. And it's occasionally popping up on the pages of this book. And I'll like, I'll remember something I saw on a film with Caviezel, uh, when I was nine Yeah, and I haven't thought about it ever since. So that's kind of a weird experience. That is weird. Yeah. But fun. I think, did you like the movie? I don't, I don't think I understood it right. when I was nine. <laughs> you walked out and be like, glad I had the popcorn. <laughs> that really flew over my head, I got to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I'm mature enough. Well, I wish we went to see The Emperor's New Groove instead. <laughs> uh, one of the big shows people are talking about right now is Westworld. Um, really? <laughs> well, I mean, it's coming back, right? Oh, okay. Uh, that, that was the worst way of introducing it. Have you heard of Westworld? <laughs> I know. Like, I wasn't obsessed with the first season of yeah, Westworld. We did a podcast I, on it. I know. I really liked Westworld, really loved the first season, but I'm not excited for it because I don't know how you make a second season of it. Was it really well resolved in I the feel first season? N- it kind of kind of felt like it was Ooh. just like a one chapter thing to me. It was never meant to be. They always wanted to. They do always more. wanted to expand because yeah. Oh man, there was a finality to it that I okay. thought had to happen. But maybe once I get into it, I will. I'll be fully back this on board. This is the new thing with these with these miniseries where they have to. They like really have a solid finish, and then they have such a following that they can't help but come back. I know, and that's kind of what I'm. What I get worried about. But Westworld, I I know it'll be an awesome season, kind of no matter what. But I just don't know how they're going to do it. Well, it's a tricky thing because I think Mr. Robot was really positioned to be the next Breaking Bad. Yeah. And, and, and like it had an amazing first season. Yeah. And the second season was pretty good. And then people kind of stopped talking about it. That's right. And I know why. Yeah. And it's just because it gets a little confusing, a little trippy, a little maybe too hacker heavy. It deviated too much from form, maybe? Yeah, there and there wasn't as much like cliffhanger killings of the people that you cared about in the show. Yeah. And the big cliffhanger at the end of the first season was they it I don't know. My point is it's very it's very dicey because until you've achieved like Game of Thrones status, maybe not quite that high, but until you're really up there in the echelon of like the biggest shows on TV and you've established that you're good for a long period of time, you can lose your fire pretty fast. Like Westworld is not above having a lackluster second season and really not being a, a talkable show anymore. The thing that I trust, though, is the fact that it's an HBO show. Helps. Rare is it that HBO shows will... And I think FX is getting to that point. But rare is it that HBO shows will have a second season or a continuation that is weaker. Or at least... Yep. Like, at least not different enough that people find it cool in its own new way. Right. Well, it's not television. Yeah. It's HBO. That's right. That's right. And that's why. That's why they say that. Yeah. They it wasn't just a thing they made up. It, it's it's a lot better than we're always going to make it cool. <laughs> Whose slogan is that? <laughs> that that's what mine would be. <laughs> if I was trying if I was trying to articulate why HBO was good. Slain TV. We're always going <laughs> to make it cool. Always going to make it cool. You know what I never liked TBS very funny. You didn't like that? No, I hated that. I was okay with it. Well, you like we're always going to make it cool. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so we have That's a different I'm standard. I'm not running a network. <laughs> yeah, it's probably best. <laughs> Slam TV, we're always going to make it cool. <laughs> we're always going to make it cool. Comma, probably, hopefully, probably. That's the slogan for this podcast, I think. <laughs> we're always going to make it cool. We're baby. always going to make it cool. Uh, other than that, the only other thing I have is that uh, apparently the Safty brothers um, are 
writing a new movie about uh, the gemstone dis or the the diamond district in New York. Okay. Safety brothers are the guys who did um, Good Time. Oh. And do you know who they picked to star? I heard. Who is it? I don't remember. Adam Sandler. It is Adam Sandler. Which I'm excited about. It is. That's cool. Look, he's it's proven a-, a couple of times he can he has dramatic chops. Totally. And Punch people, drunk love. People love to jump at an opportunity to go, wow, Sandler can act. Yeah, I know. It's like people do it every time as if they haven't seen him act before. <laughs> You're right. You're right. And then he does and then people will be like, oh, I just want him to get back to the things he does the best. And then he'll do like a hateful eight and yep. people are so pissed. Yeah. It wasn't the hateful eight. That was Tarantino. That was the actual good one. <laughs> was it? The, he'll do that Tarantino. The Despicable Six or whatever he made. Right. Yeah. He'll yeah. do a. He'll do That's some exactly schlocky I mean. Netflix movie, which, by the way, will be the most viewed thing in the history of media. And he'll make so many millions. And people and be will say like, some a, people like what they like. I and, don't know. Like, exactly. Whatever. And people will say he's a failure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Adam Sandler's no good. No matter he's what happens, it. he was the main character in Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. And he has that forever. He has that forever. Steven Spielberg says that uh, Harrison Ford is done indiana jones after five but indiana jones himself may not be Ooh, shia labeouf yeah that's the answer <laughs> no he has an interest in turning indiana jones into like the next james bond character who gets portrayed by an up-and-comer action star for a few films and then they move on and i'm kind of interested in that idea okay 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 sweets okay uh, but he also said that he would like for a woman to be the next indiana jones which i actually don't hate it's, it seems a little stunty and like uh, uh, pandery, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely open to seeing. I also love the idea of that as a TV show. Ooh, that's cool. Like, let's let's get that 10 episodes dropped tomorrow. Steven yeah. Spielberg produces it, maybe. Produces it. Or maybe he actually directs it. A young indie show. Thing. Yeah. That's very cool. Young indie. I watched uh, the new Jesus Christ Superstar. What'd you think? It was so good. It was so good. It was dope. I heard that like, there was some good talk about Alice Cooper. Um, John Legend was... John Legend was great. And Sarah Bareilles was great. Was I John have... Legend Jesus? Yeah, he was Jesus. Who was it that played Judas? His name is Brandon Victor something. So he's just some like amazing guy that we haven't heard well, of before, but he was so good in it. He has a resume, though. He was in the original Rent. Okay. And he was the first guy to take over Aaron Burr in, in Hamilton. Right. So, like, he's he's definitely well-known in the sure. theater community. And, by the way, that's the part in Jesus Christ Superstar. It's, totally. It's not Jesus. I think we've talked about that before. Um, but Sarah Bareilles, Mary Magdalene is like, I, whenever I see somebody play that part, I, like, my heart kind of goes out to them. There's something about those two songs she sings where I just, like, the world goes away when, when I hear those songs. <laughs> okay. And so she was phenomenal. And uh, the costumes were incredible and, like, uh, the set was really cool. The interesting thing and is... it was live? It was live. So previously when NBC has done these live plays, uh, Grease and Peter Pan, there's like these really elaborate uh, sound stages and they mm. wanted to have an audience for this one. So the nice thing about Jesus Christ Superstar is there's not a lot of setting. Right. It's just people. Yeah. So they just have a bunch of people on a stage in like a big arena. And it's just like you're watching a big play on television. Right. And so that was really cool because the audience is almost interactive. Alice Cooper is really good because it's just one song and it's very flamboyant. Right. It wasn't very uh, uh, motive. Like usually that character is very like very mobile and he's an old man, uh, okay. but he was able to play to the crowd. Yeah. It was good. Nice. It was really good. That's. It seems to be like the first one that they've done that has been like, oh no, this one was really good. 
Well, it helps that the like, show's incredible. Like, like Grease, I, Grease people weren't talking about. I would argue, uh, and people would fight me on this, I would argue Grease isn't that good as, <laughs> as an original text. I, I believe that. Like, the film is a classic. <laughs> a, it ends with a, a car flying away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the film is a classic, and some of the songs are uh, objectively excellent songs. Yeah. But there's a lot of problems with the story in Greece. <laughs> and there's not a lot of problems with the story of the passion of Jesus Christ. Totally. It's Sandy has to, like, become evil in order for Danny, Danny Zuko to... The lesson in Greece really is change everything about change you. yourself. And people will like you. <laughs> Tell me about it, Stead. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that, that, one, would, didn't, that the, one didn't really work. That's the second tagline for Sling TV. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it, Stud. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you dropping a cigarette. <laughs> I think you've. I think you've really, you've really drilled into something good here. I think we got something. You really found the show. I also think that's what no smoking signs should be. <laughs> just, just a person putting on a cigarette that says, "Tell me about it, stud." Sandy, kind of like stepping on a cigarette underneath, underneath. Tell me about it, stud. See, Olivia Newton-John really missed the opportunity to become the new face of anti-smoking. I think she did. Yeah. That could have been her next thing. Maybe down on that. She could have sung a song about how smoking is bad. <laughs> <laughs> Nicotine is not for me. You no, know, it would have to be a Grease parody. Oh, I don't know what it would yeah. be. But uh, uh, I'm trying to think of Grease songs. All I can think of is Tell Me More. Bum, 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 bum. All right. You want to do I shows? Yeah, let's do shows. shows. Okay, we're really, we're really like taking up time here that was a long one this has been a nice hang though it actually has been a, a, a fun time we <laughs> yeah. both had notes this time because i never have notes see how nicely how smooth the show goes when you break when you come <laughs> when i prepare at all <laughs> yeah it's my turn to go first right. and i don't know i feel like i could i could probably recap either show pretty easily okay um yeah shoot okay i'm gonna recap trust Okay, good. Which I is like more, that. Which is more ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go on go. I'll recap the first episode of the new uh, FX series starring Donald Sutherland called Trust. All right. In three, two, one, go. Donald Sutherland plays uh, John Paul Getty, the famous oil magnate who uh, famously hates his kids. And uh, when his son uh, kills himself, he was supposed to be the heir to the Getty fortune and the oil business. He has to kind of realign the priorities of his business. Luckily, his grandson, who he doesn't really know, shows up needing $6,000 for a bunch of mafia debts he has. So uh, Donald Sutherland doesn't have to give the company to his three sons who he hates. He can give it to his grandson. Problem is, his grandson is a drug addict and he really hates drugs. And then, yes. gets, and then he gets kidnapped. <laughs> That's right. The kidnapping was big. That was a big uh, thing. Uh, yeah, he, the son really played off like he was. He needed six thousand dollars because he got into some like trouble. But it was more kind of fun. It was more just like I party too like, much, drinking, and made some bad decisions, and owed right. six thousand dollars. Right. And it's, there's specifically a scene where uh, old man says. But it's not drugs, right? You know what drugs have done to this family. Right. And he's and like, no, no, no. It's not. And that's, he's referring directly to uh, John Paul Getty II. Right. Junior. Yeah. Who I guess he wouldn't give the company to because he had some drug problems or some alcohol problems or whatever. Right. Um, now, as it turns out, grandson does have some serious drug problems. Yes. And that ends up being what, uh, what killed the guy. Um, I did some research. I, so, oh, okay. Before you go any further... Can I say, I don't want to say no spoiler okay. alerts. All right. 
because I know it's history. Yeah. And I know we've had this before, but I yep. do like learning okay. from these series. So right. without going too far into the history, I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear about it, but I want to be a little bit surprised by what this story is all about because I don't know it. Okay. Well, I won't really spoil anything for you then. Okay. Good. Um, it, it, except to say this show is clearly about to be about the, the ransom that has to be paid to, to get the grandson back, which by the way is exactly what the movie All the Money in the World was about. Did you see the movie? Didn't see it. Uh, it got as much attention as it got because of the crazy stunt they pulled right. by taking Kevin Spacey out and putting Christopher Plummer in. Yeah. And obviously that's very cool mm-hmm. that they did that. I don't think the movie was really that good critically. I haven't seen it. I, I watched the first episode and I thought there's no way that the movie is this good. That's what I thought. You thought that? That's what I thought. There's I was no like, way that two things can exist and be just as good as each well, other. Well, and here's the thing. I think Ridley Scott knew that. Yeah, because he got a jump on it. Because Ridley Scott was like, he didn't take his time to replace Kevin Spacey. He's right. not. He didn't say like, you know what? I'm going to take a year and we're going to fix this movie and put it out. He had to get it out before Trust aired. Right. Before Danny Boyle's version of the same story came out, and maybe because he knew Danny Boyle was friggin' great. Yeah. Like this is a a very very well done show it's cinematic and normally for it's it's so entertaining and the music is perfect they play gimme shelter at the exact right time well anytime someone drops gimme shelter in a show or a movie you just always kind of like yeah here we go there was good music through the whole thing and amazing to be fair i want to start at the very beginning because my recap was really more a measure of what the show was about and not so much exactly what happened in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, big party, big beach party happening in the opening yeah. scene. And uh, the, the George, son George, who's supposed to be like the the one he's, the father actually likes, yep. uh, is having some kind of drug meltdown. Totally. It's, it's showing like the Hollywood Hills. It actually shows Hollywood. And then it flashes like a 1973 right next to the Hollywood, which right. I thought was kind of cool yep. right away. I was in, everyone's into, Pink Floyd is apparently playing in the backyard. All these women are trying to get into the garage to stop George from doing something awful because he's clearly melting down. Having, and yeah. Then he grabs like a barbecue fork and stabs himself in the stomach yeah. and dies. That was a little unexpected. It was very <laughs> troubling to me. And I was already very cranky this morning for other reasons. Okay. And so I was like, shit, I got to prep for the show show. And I put it on and I was like, Fuck this. And this is what I wrote. This is the first thing. And this is before I saw the rest of the episode and really quite enjoyed it. Okay. I wrote, already this has me feeling sick and faint. So no, fuck this show. Fuck drama. Fuck tragic exploitation. (laughs) Which by the way, I still kind of feel. It was like I was saying last week about the exploitation of like real sad things that have happened in people's lives and turning them into rock and roll uh, fantasies. That's fair. Is a little, I feel a little weird about that. Like for example, the, the, Further tragedy that comes to the grandson, which I won't go into sure. great detail. But this guy had a very, very sad life. Yes. As I'll say that much. Okay. And they've made a show about it. Yeah. That all said. Is that appropriate? That all, that all said, the show has a lot of style. And for all the, the dramas there have been that are just dour and, 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 and dull and sad and dreary. Yeah. You're right. This had comedy in it. Totally. And it was flashy and the music was good. And it's Danny Boyle, I guess. That's the whole point. Yeah. I love that he he would do the little split screen things and like show old, you know, video of oil rigs in the 1970s yeah. while discussing. It was almost kind of like documentary style. Now, this John Paul Getty was a real son of a bitch. He has a harem. He has a literal it, harem. He has a harem. Which is fascinating. Yeah. I don't know if we can pot. I'm worried that it's of an emergency. Yeah, no, go ahead. 
sorry, that was uh, my dad. I thought it was an emergency. He was just calling because I really want a storm door, and uh, he found one. Great. Online. Anyways. Dads are the best. Yeah. Does he have a harem? <laughs> <laughs> I my he'd kill me if I started talking oh, about I the understand. harem. You yeah, know? it was very weird. Like, there's this weird like sexual through line with the Donald Sutherland character where he has four or five girlfriends, but he has a main girlfriend. Yeah. And at one point, the doctor comes over and puts a needle in his penis, and yep. then he immediately has sex. Totally, because he feels magnificent in his words. Yep. Uh, it's just very troubling. No, I thought. One thing we should talk about, which one was your favorite of the harem? <laughs> I don't know. I didn't really know. The, Penelope I, is the right answer. Yeah, I couldn't tell them apart. I'm just joking. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Penelope is the best. But right. um, but yeah, the, I thought that it was the daughters of John Paul Getty at first. Yeah. And he's all kind of like, who loves me the most at the beginning? And then Well, and at, there, there had been some King Lear allusions in yes. the dialogue. And so I mean, King Lear is about a king who has three daughters right. who he has favorites among. Uh, and I mean, there's still a King Lear story going on with him and his sons. Yes. But you're right. I thought the same thing. Yeah. And then he is talking about introducing Teresa and Teresa. 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 Yeah. <laughs> ends up being a lion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they all freak out. And they all freak out. Yeah. He's just kind of a psycho, isn't he? Definitely. He's just kind of like likes to like likes people to be uncomfortable. Megalomaniac. And... Yes psycho and he has this weird monologue where he's like very openly jealous of the legacy of like the rockefellers and the kennedys and the the hearsts yeah and he wants to be like one of those like rich american families right if he were still alive today be worth 25 billion dollars wow yeah he had six billion dollars when he died more money than you and i make combined it is i think a little more than that yeah (laughs) i know it's fascinating it's uh, interesting. I, I wrote down a quote. Um, Apparently, you promised her the world. He says, I don't own the world. I thought that was like a great line. Right. So like this woman who is like, because he sleeps with everybody. Yeah. And so he has this, I don't know if it's like his girlfriend or just one of his publicists or whatever, but like she's answering to women who are like trying to get money from him. Yes. And she says, apparently you promised her the world. He says, I don't own the world. And I thought that was so evocative of the title, All the Money in the World. Yes. Which probably wasn't deliberate, because why would they want anything to do with that movie? But it's it sounds like that movie. Yeah. What did you think of Donald Sutherland? He hasn't lost a step. No, he was great, eh? He was really good. Yeah. Uh, I know that Brendan Fraser in the next episode has like a real... It's like all about him. I forgot Brendan Fraser was in it. And apparently Hilary Swank. Yes. Like it's it's all those two in the second episode, I guess. I totally forgot Brendan Fraser was in it. He was only in it for a second. Yeah. Very serious. The second episode's supposed to be better than the first. Okay. I'm I'm so excited about this show. Oh, I'm so glad you're into it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm into it too. Didn't think I would be going like at the beginning, but I within like 10 minutes learned that I was really going to like this show. Well, I think it boils down to style then because there are lots Danny of Danny boils down to style. It does. It sure does. It boils down to style. It's uh it's obviously a heavy subject matter, but they were able to turn it into this like exciting 70s Totally coke fueled mess they were like let's find a guy that looks exactly like sean white and make him like oh yeah. the grandson you know what i found him and i realize he's based on a real person so it's kind of hard to criticize but i found the idea of the hippie teenage black sheep family member who comes back from uh luxurious european vacation having slept with everybody who's also bizarrely brilliant Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah. the grandfather just takes to him. I just found that whole package to be kind of cliche. And, and he was like, 
yeah, almost hilariously aloof in the first episode. Like yes. being surprised by like everything, like kind of like throwing his arms up and like, Wah! Wah! yeah, Wah! his hair Thank and you. his tight t-shirts Wah! were ridiculous. He also yeah. looked much older than 16. Yeah. I can't, but couldn't believe the line where he said like, I'm not even 16 yet. Yeah. Also, he's in like a play men magazine, which I don't know if that's an actual thing, but is there any way that a 15-year-old boy would be able to be naked in a magazine? Not legally, not legitimately. Right. And then the other thing is when he's calling uh, John Paul Getty Jr. dad, I'm like, there's no way he's your dad. Yeah. He's like two years older than yeah. you. We should look up that guy's age because he's definitely like 30. I tried and he's not famous enough to have an age on IMDb. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Good show. Give it your S. Totally. Totally. 100% excited about this. Can't wait to see... Uh, the national treasure, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, where's town. that guy been? I think he had a hard time the last decade or so. Yeah, I think so. Well, there was that whole sex scandal thing. But no, he he was the victim. He was that. the victim of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks okay. Yeah. He doesn't look it's like healthy. George of the Jungle anymore. I think one of the I read an article and he was like his body was just beat down from doing the uh, the whole mummy really series. Yeah, he was like basically like a professional football player. He must feel good that Tom Cruise's mummy reboot tanked yeah i would i would say so yeah especially because he was probably movies never tank no and he was probably saying put me in it yeah well he was probably thinking like fuck this the biggest movie star of all time is gonna steal my one thing yeah and nobody liked it nobody went what but i mean he'll always have encina man and george of the jungle and george of the jungle that was everything yeah (laughs) you were at like the perfect age for george of the jungle i can tell i love george of the jungle yeah (laughs) absolutely nice yeah and then the big gorilla sings my way at the end Amazing film. Okay. To- forget it. I saw it in the theater. Wanna... Same day that I got my dog in grade three. Anyways. <laughs> uh, Do what's cool or whatever your slogan is. <laughs> yeah. All right. You're going to recap uh, the pilot episode of Alex Inc. starring Zach Braff. Right. In three, two, one. No cheat sheet. What are you doing? I'm just like, okay. Uh, just looking at it. His name bit. is Alex. It's the name of the show. I know. Alex Inc. I'm not looking for his name. You always need the names. I didn't this time. All right. Okay. It's, it's called Alex Inc. I know. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Okay. So Alex is a radio producer. Um, he, at the beginning of the show, uh, is pitching Chris Saka, a billionaire, um, about this podcast that he wants to start but kind of blanks it takes it back he's uh talk, trying to pitch his family on this uh show that he's producing about an alleged murderer uh realizes he wants to start his own podcast company gets the family involved tries to go to an incubator can't pitch chris saka uh goes to the airport and pitches him and, and he likes it. yeah and he's and he also uh spent his family's 401k with a right. permission that was a big thing it was a very selfish move right and and she predicted that Wait a second. Oh, Did God. you spend our 401k? That, uh, that was a little bit of a troubling lie. But overall, you know, I thought I was really going to hate it. Yeah. Didn't hate it. Why do you think you didn't hate it? And maybe it's just because it spoke a little bit more to me than than most shows. I thought Zach Braff was good. Yeah. I like the kids. I didn't like his uh, his lack of belief in his son. Why? I totally he... took issue with this. Yeah, it's, it's it's not in line with the character that he is so. He really needs his son to be cool. Like it's it's one thing. Like, like he, the whole point is that his son is a magician, and there's a talent show, and his son wants to do magic in front of the whole school. And he's like super outgoing, and, 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 and he wants him to fly under the radar. And he's he's like, why don't you just fly under the radar like I did? And it would be one thing if he was scared his son would embarrass himself, and yeah. he wanted to save him that person torture but 
when his son gets up on stage and he's he like, opened, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. He says, right? we're going to have to move. <laughs> yeah, It's about yeah. him. And so it's that not in weird. line with his character. Who's this guy who's like follows your dreams. Totally agree with that. But it is in line with his character that he's so goddamn selfish. Yes. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I thought, I thought the idea of him starting the podcast was cool. I thought it was funny that Chris Ack was in it, although he's a brutal actor brutal uh, actor like oh he, god so he's from shark tank that's where i know him from he, yeah he's from shark tank he also like is just a famous investor he invested in twitter he invested in instagram uber. he invested in uber he invested in kickstarter so he like is yeah yeah and i like he's a big deal i get that he's like a recognizable face and so it's cool that they could get him in this show about yeah. needing a venture capitalist Although, i don't or whatever. know if he's that recognizable face like i didn't recognize him it wasn't until like he wrote down chris saka on the nap oh see i, I knew like, i uh, knew him from dragon's den or okay. from shark tank and he wore the shirt he wears on shark Tank. well and then i like that was a that was a strategy i googled him and he was like always wearing the shirt i'm like yeah. oh you have a uniform and it's like a western no i think that shirt. was to make him recognizable yeah okay so yeah, it was kind of awkward to get this guy who can't act at all to be the draw in your pilot show. Yeah. Now, do you realize this is based on a true story? Yes, that's maybe that's what I like about it too. Is that I know that it's actually about a podcast called Startup. Well, which is on Gimlet Media. He invented Gimlet Media. Oh, he invented Gimlet. He Media. created. He's the co-founder of Gimlet Media. Oh, crazy. Yeah, and okay. so and yes, one of the flagship programs is called the Startup. Right. Which is about him starting Gimlet Media. Right. Uh, and so, like, we, oh, wow. we listen to Mystery Show on Gimlet. It's totally. a very big podcast network. Yeah, absolutely. They have Reply All, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, There's they have quite a few, like, very well-known podcasts. And he's contributed to This American Life, which is not through Gimlet, obviously. But right. he's, he's definitely been a very successful podcaster, of which there are few. Mm-hmm. So what year does this show take place? Because it's very different if you're starting a podcast network in 2018 and you're starting one in 2011. I think it's supposed to be, like, 2011, although they'll never say that. Right. Just because they want to make it seem like it could happen today and don't want to have to like date all the cars back to 2011. Yeah, that could get a little complicated. Yeah. Here's my biggest issue. Okay, let's hear it. Did he have to do a voiceover and break the fourth wall? Yeah. Right. It was like... Like, I, oh, because that is because scrubs. it's Zach Braff. Because it's scrubs, just like right. it's sore thumb. I didn't, think, I didn't think about that at all. That's amazing to me. I as was, soon as he did it, I was like, no. Seriously, <laughs> I did not put that together at all, and I should have. I, I I didn't watch that much Scrubs. I might have for like a couple early seasons. I didn't either, but it stood out to yeah, me right away. That's a good point. That's a good point. Maybe that's why it's not being received very well. I mean, it's essential in the show, I think, because he's an audio journalist. Yeah. And so like doing a voiceover for a thing that happened, especially since he's about to make a podcast about the episode that you're watching. Right. So it's almost like his voiceover is part of his podcast. I thought he was good in it, but yeah, for that reason, you almost should go outside of Zach Braff. If you're going to get Zach Braff, you're going to have to, you're going to have to find a way to have him narrate in a way that's not exactly like scrubs. Yes. I agree with that. Um, Even if he like, it showed him like in front of a mic recording it. Like maybe that would even be less cheesy or maybe it would be more cheesy. That'd be kind of cool. You think so? No, that'd be really cool. Like, th- like this is him actually doing it. Well, they do that on the, they did that the on the Marin show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So there you go. Yeah. So if they, they took the Marin route, I think I, it would work. I cool. think that would be fine. Why at the, even at the end of the show, like the weird laughs that they go for, like he gets tackled and arrested by the cops, which I thought was okay. It's good because you clearly, 
committed so many illegalities while trying to chase down Chris Saka's private jet that you obviously wouldn't be able to do. It's preposterous. The cops come and arrest him. Mm-hmm. And then he, he, for some reason, like for the laughs, I guess it's like he takes off. Like yeah. He, he's handcuffed and he just tries to run away. And that's like how the show ends. Yeah. Although, you know, it's not like he's not gonna be like, I was facing prison charges. I'm almost kind of curious to listen to the first episode of the startup now. I, I actually wanted to, I didn't have enough time to, but I wanted yeah. to listen to it before coming over here. And I want to know if it's any good or if it's any, if it's anything like the story we just heard. Oh, I think it's, I think it's very, very like applauded. Well, it's not like he's an amateur who just came into audio and decided he was going to start a podcast network. He worked for radio production. Yeah. It was like, it was like a top 10 podcast when it was on, I think. Yeah. 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 And it literally was like, okay, so are these mics working? We're going to try to start this. And then it was like, (laughs) our first step was buying the gear. That's kind of cool. It was like, it, it was very this American lifestyle. Like, and, and I liked that whole scene where he was, you know, kind of playing with the kids about how the produced piece was going to go. He was demonstrating the theater of the mind. Yeah. That to me was, was nice. Yeah. Um, You're right. Actually, there was a lot of good stuff in this episode that maybe I didn't even appreciate because they had to put in so much networky bullshit. Yeah. So many cheap little laughs. Yeah. Maybe it'll get better. I don't know. It's got 45% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. And you kind of understand why when I do. you watch it. Yeah. Do you, do you give it your S? No. No? No. No, I don't either. No. But I didn't hate it. No. I mean, if I stumble upon it and watch it again, you never know. Right. I, I might go for it. Okay. Michael Imperioli. Is that his name? Michael yeah, Imperioli? Yep. yep. It's from The Sopranos. Yep. Hasn't done much since The Sopranos. Yep. He was in a season of Californication. Oh, was he? Yeah, but like after it was good. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's the thing with Showtime, man. I know. <laughs> that's that's my other like tagline. We could end the podcast every week with that's the thing with Showtime, that's man. That's the thing with Showtime. They're man. the anti FX. <laughs> FX has like, okay, we're gonna do Atlanta, we're gonna do you know Trust. The, the Trust. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do um Murder of Johnny Versace. Mm-hmm. We're gonna do I'm trying to think of it. Like it's always sunny in Philadelphia was like the first show that they did. Yep. Which I mean has a lot of seasons, but it's so funny. And it's, yeah. it was just kind of like the first thing that they did. Now Quality over quantity on comedy slash drama, mainly drama, mm-hmm. but they just seem to have serious shows that, you know, they're not going to try to make a trust last eight seasons. No, because that would be outrageous. Yes. Although there are plenty of networks, including the Holy Almighty HBO, where if Trust became like the big talkable show, they would try and find a way to turn it into a new thing. They are talking about doing a second season of Trust. Good Lord. Which, yeah, I don't know how they end the first season. but God, that's insane. It's 10 episodes. I guess we'll find out. I'm excited for them. S's for Trust, no S's for Alex Inc. But maybe if you want to watch something light... Yeah. That'd be kind of fun if you're also going to check out the podcast. Mm-hmm. The other day, uh, Will Smith went to these kids' uh, lemonade stand. Okay. And he filmed it. And they are call- they call themselves the Brown Boys Lemonade Stand. Okay. And they Because ha- they have like brown sugar in their lemonade. Oh, okay. And <laughs> I know. And... Uh, and he made like this commercial for them for Instagram and advertised for their for their lemonade. And ever since, they've been like selling tons of lemonade and stuff. So I think that's bullshit. You know why? <laughs> why? Because Will Smith's taking sixty percent. He probably is. He's probably taking all the credit, mm-hmm. wanting to be their their mascot, their manager. That's right. Yeah, their and mascot. They were just a couple of guys who wanted to sell some lemonade. Yeah, they were I, trying. They're trying to stay away from the mainstream hype. Right. Here goes Will Smith. 
dragging them in. That's right. Never trust Will Smith.